Welcome back to another episode of Self Therapy. This is your host, Daniel Dunn. And in today's episode, we, I'm going to be talking about life-changing movies I've seen and why I think they were life-changing for me personally. Because as everybody knows, we all have our different life experiences and, you know, everybody views movies differently and entertainment in general differently than other people do. Some people find it deeper than other people's find people's deeper than other people find it. So, you know, take with a grain of salt what I may say or take it wholeheartedly and find inspiration to go watch these movies yourself. But I'm just saying movies that I think that have changed my perspectives on life and what I think and how I act and, you know, the way I live. So, um, first things first is the the most awarded movie of all time starring my sister Michelle Yeoh. And Stephanie, I do not know, do not know how to say her last name, but love her. Everything, everywhere, all at once. So that I wanted to go watch that movie with a couple of previous friends of mine in the movie theater back when I um, back when it first came out. Now I waited a while. I waited a minute for it because I didn't even know what the movie was until I was on Twitter one day and. Um, I saw this Twitter creator that I am very, um, very, I like very much. He's so funny. His name is Keon, or Hood Vogue is Tired. Um, I feel like every all of black Twitter knows who he is. I mean, so funny. But I saw him tweet about it and how it's like the best movie he's ever watched and da 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 So I was like, I might as well go watch it. Like, I might as well go give it a try. Why not? You know, so I went to go and watch the movie and it was really, really, really good. Like it was the first movie that I had actually, well, it was the first movie that I had ever cried in the movie theaters over because I usually like if I cry over a movie, it's at home, you know, so that was that was an interesting experience. But basically to give you a rundown of the movie without trying to spoil it, it's about this girl and her mom. And her dad. It's about an Asian family who um, moved to America. They're immigrants. Their daughter's first generation. And she's struggling to like be accepted by her parents. And her parents are like always nagging her and doing all this other kind of stuff. So basically, well, her parents is more of her mom. Her dad's more chillax. You know, it was that kind of dynamic. So it was, you know, th- there was trauma built up. And basically the movie is her trying to her mom trying seeing who she is as a person and trying to overcome the trauma that's yeah yeah trying to like settle their differences and you know i don't know i can also read the google definition because i think that would make a lot more sense during this time okay the Google description for the movie says, when an interdimensional rupture r- unravels reality, an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering j- dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in the balance. But yeah, I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to say too much. But the reason that movie changed my life is because it made me realize that life is all about acceptance. And the reason why um, the daughter was acting so out of character was because the mom never accepted who she was as a person because the daughter was also lesbian and it was a multi-generational household. So it was her, her parents and her grandfather. 
And since her grandfather lived with them and he was already like kind of ill, his her mom didn't really want her going around and saying that she has a girlfriend and so on and so forth because she thought that, would, you know, be like his last hurrah. But it taught me like life is all about acceptance. And if she would have just accepted her, um, she wouldn't have had to go through. So if her mom would have just accepted her, she wouldn't have had to go through as much mental trauma as she did. And it also taught me everything happens for a reason. So, because the movie was, again, it was a multiverse thing. And during this multiverse thing, it was showing us how if the mom did something differently, how much her life would have changed and how she would be like a different person. And it wasn't even like big things. It was just like small decisions that she happened to make in her life. So if she would have done things differently, she would have, you know, had a different outcome. She may have not had a husband, but she may have had like an acting career, so on and so forth. So that's, but I've always been living by that. But like the movie showed me that even more, it's like every decision you make with your life has an outcome that could change your future for the rest of your life, which is why it's like, do, it's like, don't pay attention to the point of you're ruining your life so much trying to pay attention to every little detail. But don't also don't go through life just willy-nilly and doing anything because any decision you make could alter your reality and not only yours, but people who are close to you as well. So yeah, that was that. Call me by your name. Um, yeah. Um I know everybody doesn't like it because it's pedophilia and the peach scene and the guy who plays Oliver. Oliver, right? Hold on. I haven't watched that movie in a second. I was thinking about watching it today. It's actually raining right now. So that would be like a great movie to watch in the rain. I've watched it at least five times minimum. Yeah, it was Oliver. Oliver might be a groomer. Yeah, that's terrible. And... I feel like, could the movie have been produced a little bit differently? Yes. And we could have kept the same theatrics. But here we are today. So, Call Me By Your Name changed my perspective on what love looked like. And I say that because... You know, like... Okay, so basically the movie... Let me give y'all the Google translation and I'll give y'all my definition. It's the summer of 1983 and precious 17-year-old Elio is spending the days with his family at their 17th century villa in Lombardy, Italy. He soon meets Oliver, a handsome doctoral student who's working as an intern for Elio's father. Amid the sun-drenched splendor of their surroundings, Elio and Oliver discover the heady beauty of awakening desire over the course of summer that will alter their lives forever. So my thing, uh, my definition would be, to give you the simple, not, you know, theatric of it all, my definition would be Elio came to visit, oh wait, no, Oliver came to visit Elio as an intern for his father. They, at first sight, it's kind of like they're annoyed by each other, I guess, because, you know, it's not like an enemies to lovers thing, but it kind of is an enemies to lovers thing, but they were never enemies because they technically didn't know each other, but they also didn't like each other. Well, the movie portrayed that they didn't like each other of them jump, so, 
you kind of think they're enemies, but they're really, they were never really enemies in the first place. But it's kind of like an enemies to lovers trope, except there's no hate. It's just not liking to liking. And also, so it taught me what the perspective of love, a different perspective of love, because in the movie, they were, I wouldn't say they were like in love because first of all, Oliver's, oh my gosh, he, he, that last part irritated me. His cheating self, he had a wife whole time in the United States of America and he didn't tell anybody. And he was out here running around with a boy that was underage. What? So. And then it's not even, but I'll get to that movie later. But it's not even the fact, it's not like, I guess it didn't teach me a good way about what love looked like. It kind of taught me like, ooh, like, this is love. Like, this is what, you know. Because I could argue and say that Oliver was also in love with Elio. But I don't think that Oliver liked Elio as much as Elio liked Oliver. I don't, I don't know. But it also made me a hopeless romantic um, because that movie is so freaking beautiful. Like all the scenery, all of the, like the accents, the languages, the people in the movie, like every, the music that was composed for that movie, everything about that movie is so magnificent and beautiful. And even if you don't watch it for the plot, you have to watch it for the cinema. Like it's, it's beautiful, like all the time. And it's taking place in Italy, as I told you. And it's, yeah, it's something. Okay, the next one is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. So that movie, from my perspective, the way I remembered it, is there's a boy who went through a trauma where his aunt did some kind of essay to him. And ever since then, he's had, like, kind of, like, a mental blockage of sorts because after his aunt, um, you know, essayed him, his his mental health kind of deteriorated because she died. So he thought that that was his fault that she died because... I forgot. I forgot. But, yeah, he... He was going through something. Okay, but the Google definition basically is saying that he's a wallflower, which means he's always watching life on the sidelines until two, charisic, char- until two charismatic fr- students become his mentors. Basically, what I'm saying is it's a good movie. I just think that it's so early 2000s coded that I really could not get into it as much as I would have liked to get into it. I don't know. I'm very like... I'm very particular about the movies that I watch. So it the plot itself was good and the acting was good. I just don't think that the ambiance, I guess you could say, was good. But here's what it taught me. Don't be as judgmental towards others, especially if you don't know what they're going through or what they've gone through. Because he was getting, he would constantly, he would constantly be bullied in high school for always not participating in anything 
or barely having any friends or, you know, having mental health disorders or disappearing because he would go to mental hospitals for a week at a time. So he was always being bullied by other people in the high school and being talked about because of, you know, him being so independent. And I really just think that we should never judge a book by its cover. So, yeah, that that was that movie. The next movie is Soul. Oh, my gosh. When I tell you I'm not even kidding, I've watched this movie dozens of times. I've watched this movie so many times. Soul is such a good movie. Like, how could you not like it? I show and tell everyone about this movie that I meet, that I'm friends with. I'm like, if you haven't watched it, we have to watch it. I'll watch it for the five millionth time. I don't care. Soul is so good. Basically, Soul is about a man and he has a passion for music and he dies because he finally got his dream opportunity and he was being dumb and he lives in New York and they were working on a pothole and he fell in and he dies. Um, First of all, I feel like his mom should have sued the city for that because there was no warnings or nothing. But anyways, he died and then he goes up to this or wherever to this world where souls are roaming free before they find the body. And basically he goes through the self-discovery journey that life is not all about his passion and that he should just live and learn and breathe and laugh and experience life and not always center your life around, you know, something. You should just go be simply, period, just be. And I think the movie is beautiful. The scenery is beautiful. The music, because I'm a huge jazz lover, the music is really good, especially that when he was in the zone music, like that one was really, really, really good. And I think it has so, so many messages in it that are so, so good. And I just love that movie and it changed me as a person. It taught me life is short. Live it to the fullest. Like, you never know. Literally, he didn't know he was going to die in that moment, and he died. Like, and when in the movie, when he when you watch the movie, he looks back at his life, and he's like, I never even really lived because I was too busy focusing on my career and my hobbies that I never really got the chance to do anything that I loved. And he, um, it was just something. I'm trying not to spoil it for y'all. If you haven't watched it already, which you really, really show good which you really, really should do if you have not already. And it also taught me don't take anything for granted, not any moment, because, again, you never know when a moment could be your last. So even if it's something like going to work or if it's something like getting your car rushed, like take the most of that moment and enjoy it and, you know, be happy that, you get to do it, even if it's something that you don't want to do, such as going to a job. Because, you know, not to sound like one of those, but there are people who out there who want a job and can't get one. So it's kind of like, I feel like, you know, we should be grateful for what we do have and we should live every moment to the fullest because, yeah. And the last thing it taught me is pursue your dreams, even if they seem out of reach. And I say this because in the movie, his dream was to play with a world-renowned jazz band. And he got to play with a city-renowned jazz band, which is a start. 
And he chased his dreams since he was very, very young because his father was also in the jazz before he passed away. And he wanted to not, I don't think he wanted to carry on his legacy necessarily, but he was also very fond of jazz once his father introduced him to it. So, yeah, it kind of taught me that we should not give up on our dreams just because they seem unreachable. I think it took him how long, like 40 years just to become, just to start on his path to being a jazz musician. So I think with that being said, I think we should, you know... Give ourselves time and give ourselves the grace to understand that everything doesn't happen overnight and that no matter the outcome, at least you tried. And that's that's all that really matters. Okay, the next one is Onward. So Onward is another Disney movie. I'm also very into children's movies, if you couldn't tell. But Onward is a um, children's movie. It was on Disney Plus. It got released during quarantine, I do believe. And it was basically about these two brothers whose father had passed away. And he was a magic wielder. And they didn't even know it. And basically, they found this gift that he left them way back over yonder. And they go on a search to go find their dad. Well, not find their dad, but find something that their dad left for them. So that they could like get a message from him one last time. So Onward taught me to appreciate family more because it was just such, it was like such a, the family was so tight knit and close and they loved each other so dearly. And I loved watching that movie because even when they were like upset each other, they would still kind of help each other, which I guess is like all family dynamics. Right. Which, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's important, and I think that we should all appreciate our families more, even if they are toxic and um, all the, that jazz. They're, um, I don't know. It taught me to appreciate my family more personally. It, appreciate, like, family time with each other, because, you know, I don't know. The next one is Moonlight. Moonlight was so good. Moonlight was so good. I watched it like two or three times. It, so basically, it was about this black guy who um he was going through some things. He was going through some things. And basically, he was in the closet. And, well, this was going to be a video podcast. But my camera decided to shut down because she overheated. So, never mind. This will not be a video podcast anymore. But, going back to what I was saying, basically, he was in the closet, and he hooked up with his friend on the beach somewhere, and, yeah, that's all I remember from the movie, because that's all I really came for. So, Moonlight taught me that sexuality is fluid. So... When I say this, I always knew sexuality was fluid. I just never really grasped that sexuality was fluid. And by what sexuality is fluid, I mean, there are some people who are straight, but they're not 
completely and totally opposed to having relations with a man. And the same thing with women. There are women out there who are straight, but are not completely and utterly opposed to having relations with another woman. And there are also um, bisexual people who are bisexual, but they are very, very particular about who they date in the same gender pool or in the opposite gender pool. Or they're, you know, so on and so forth. It just taught me that sexuality is very fluid. And it's wrong to put people in a box, but I understand the whole label thing. I really do. And I really don't like when people say they don't. Because it's important for people to find community. So with that being said, it's very important that there be labels for, especially for freshly new people into the community. So that they can, you know, figure out who they want to be. And later on down the line, if they think that they don't need a label, then um, so be it. Who cares? But I think it's very important in the beginning for people of the LGBTQ community to have a label. And to find who they are. Moonlight, in another way, taught me that there is no one way to be gay. And by this, I mean more of, like, self-expression, like, the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you act, the way, I don't know, like, the job you have. There's no one way to be gay. Like, you can be it and look the straightest ever. I don't know. You, There's just no real way to be gay. That's going to be my new quote. That it rhymes. The next one is Spirited Away. It just taught me to be a good person. Spirited Away is um, arguably the best animated movie, the best anime movie of all time, excuse me. Um, It's about this girl, and basically her parents eat food that's not theirs, and they get turned into pigs, and then she has to go work for this lady who works in a bathhouse for ghosts, and all that jazz. So, it just taught me to be a good person because... In doing so, she was able to become friends with so many new people. She was able to help her parents out and get free. She was able to meet so many new people that were not even nice to her in the beginning. But if she like, she it's not like she was like the perfect little angel. Like, yes, she had her moments. Let's not lie. But overall, like, she was really a lot nicer than everybody else on the movie, which is how she got to be friends with so many people. Okay. The next one is Fantastic Mr. Fox. Now, this movie is a hit or miss for people. You either love it or you hate it. I loved it personally because of the the message that it portrayed. I also loved um, the art style of the movie. But it taught me, like, not to be greedy. And basically, the movie is about a fox who is tired of being poor. And basically, he decides to pull a three-day heist and steal from these big white rich men. And they, you know, they come after him. So it taught me not to be greedy because everything, again, happens for a reason. So it taught me that I should cherish what I have and, like, not to want too much. You know? I don't know. Maybe since my head. But also taught me not to be unsatisfied with what you don't have. Be grateful for what you do have. Um, I love Wally, another children's movie. I'm telling y'all just back to back to back children's movies. 
Wally taught me to stop treating the earth like shit. Um, Because let's get real. If we continue to go down the path that we're going on right now, Wally might actually become a reality. Like, there's just... It doesn't make any sense why the... You know, why we do some of the things we do. We leave, we live in such excess and that's not necessary because it's nice. We, I just, I really don't think we should have a lot of the things that we have just because it's nice. I really do think that to a certain extent, we do need to live in a state of on a need to have basis because there's no reason you should be building up 50 million um, warehouses and deforesting all of this land for no reason. And then y'all are going to be so pressed when we don't have any trees. Because the little slim pickings of trees that you leave in between houses or in between neighborhoods, I meant, or in between warehouses, that's not enough to provide oxygen for the billions of people that are on this earth. So I do believe eventually that there will be um, another time when humans... I don't want to say are purged from the earth because that just sounds horrific. But there will be another time when our population will decrease rapidly due to some of the things that we have done. Now, that could be a disease. It could be the wildfires that we are seeing right now. It could be flooding. You never know. But I do believe that there will be another time when we are, um, you know... When our stay is going to be cut because we cannot seem to take care of the little thing that we do have. And then it kind of pisses me off when people are like, let's go to Mars. Why in the world do you think it would be appropriate for you to go to another planet so you could mess that one up too? Like, what what, what on God's green earth makes you think that that's okay? Because as humans, we think we're owed everything and we think that we own everything and that's not even the truth. Like, we're the reason... I'm sorry, I did not mean to go on this tangent, but I don't really care at this point. Like, we're the reason that... and there, Like, there are, like, dozens, if not hundreds, of animal species that are extinct. We're the reason that the ozone layer has been broken. We're the reason that the, that the um, Antarctica is literally melting. Like, it, it's... It's... It's just interesting to watch day by day. But yeah, there's your little news report from Daniel Dunn. And the last one is Ratatouille. I've watched this one dozens of times as well. Ratatouille taught me to chase your dreams even where no one believes in you. And yeah... Basically, it taught me that I have to do what I love doing, and it might take off. Podcasting might take off for me, and it might just be a side hobby for the rest of however long I choose to continue doing it. I don't know, and that's the fun of it. You never know. You, I could be huge, and I could also just be podcasting for the same nine people who listen to my podcast. And I kind of like the mysteriousness of not knowing, which is why, you know, I I still believe that I'm going to get my degree no matter where I go and what I do, because I've already started working hard for it and I kind of don't want to give up on it. And I've, always, I've already, you know, instilled in my mind that I'm going to get this degree. 
But I think that no matter who you are and what you want to chase, whether if you want to be a movie star or if you want to be a pediatric nurse, I think that everybody should chase after their dreams and be what they want to be. I fully and 100% believe that everybody should follow their passion and do what they want to do. But this was a shorty. Um, This is your host, Daniel Dunn, signing out. Um, Make sure to go follow the Self Therapy Instagram, S-E letter, I mean, number one, F-T-H-E-A-R-P-Y. And yeah, make sure to also give my pod, if my podcast, if you listen on Spotify, give her a rate, a TBH and rates. And be honest, you don't have to give five. You can give one if it's, if you're being real. And when I say that, I mean, that was a joke. Please don't give me one star. But yeah. And I will catch y'all next week. Bye-bye.